It's been whatever, whatever Mike said, 10 years, 12 years, I don't know how many years it is that uh, they've been doing the mission trip. They usually do it on Father's Day weekend. And as a pastor, I've said this many times, and I'm going to continue to say it. We can talk about being a good father. We can talk about doing the right thing. We can talk about living out the Christian life. But one of the ways that we really do it is by actually showing our young people. I don't know what, what portion, probably half of the people that went were kids, right? Yeah, at least that. You know what? They saw their dad. They saw the elders at Garden Chapel. They saw the people that they look up to actually serving the Lord hands-on. Now, they weren't preaching. Some of them were, were doing devotions and stuff. But you know what? They were seeing their fathers and their mothers doing something, and they were actually participating. To me, that is the essence. I could sit down now and say, that's how you live out Father's Day. You show your children. A man of integrity, his children are blessed after him. We'll, We'll get back to that in a moment. But you might be going, why in the world do you have bumper cars from Canopel's Grove on the screen in front of you? Well, I've entitled this, and I'm, I'm just going to do something that's a little different than my normal sermons, but I've called this uh, Bumper Cars and Fatherhood. Uh, in case you haven't looked around today, if you're going to be a father and you're going to live out what God wants you to do, you are going to be playing bumper cars with the world, and that is head-on collisions. But bumper cars are something different. I don't know about you, but uh, when I was uh, a young person, we grew up on a farm. Farmers do not, at least back then, they didn't go on vacation. So we never went on vacation. Seriously, I didn't know what a vacation was until I started dating my wife. And then I found out that people actually go on vacations. I had heard about them, but I never knew what they were. But uh, one thing that we would do is my dad sent our milk to Hershey. And Hershey, once a year, would give all their clients, all, all the farmers, they, we would get a wad of tickets in a roll. This is back when Hershey Park didn't have a fence around it. By the way, I haven't been to Hershey Park since they put a fence around it. So that'll tell you I haven't been there for a long time. But we get this big roll of tickets and one ticket for everybody in our family. That was nine tickets that we could go get an ice cream cone at Dairy Queen. That was a big night for us. We would look forward to that night uh, all year long. We go over there. You walk in, and you just we go on on the um, wait. That's the comet. Yeah, we'd go on the comet. My brothers and I, man, that was that's where we wanted. We go on the Lost River. Remember, that's the one that used to plunge you down into the water. And we would go on the bumper cars. Now we're boys. Bumper cars are fun, right? And we would just you know we use our tickets up, and then we'd go have an ice cream. Well, you know what? I always enjoyed that. And then Hershey Park put the fence up. And uh, so when my kids were young, we took them to Canopels, which is kind of like Hershey back when I was a kid. And again, what will we do? We go on the Phoenix. Just keep going round and round until, you know, you feel like you're going to throw up and the bumper cars. And you know what? Here's the deal about bumper cars. There's no goal. There's no end of results, right? It's the experience, right? And there are a few things that you need to know about bumper cars. First of all, you got to put on a seatbelt. Everybody has to go the same direction. They'll, they'll stop the ride and make you turn around. And it's no head-on bumping anybody. 
Those are the three rules that I remember. I'm going to just take those and kind of bounce off of them uh, for the future. And, and I would tell you that today, I know my kids still take their kids to Canopels. And um, one of the things that we enjoyed doing when, when my children were younger is we would go backpacking. One of, my family, one of my kids is not here today because he took his boys backpacking. You know what? Influence. You know what? Those are good things. Those, those are fun things to do. But what I talked about is those mission trips. Is your children will not forget that they saw dad putting in windows or, uh, you know, whatever you happen to be doing on that trip. They're going to talk about it for a year. And, and as Mike said, they're going to say, I want to go back next year. I want to go to, a, I don't know, the, maybe a different camp, whatever. You know what? Those are positive things that we as dads should be having uh, in the lives of our, our children. The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. That word integrity is one that is sorely lacking in the world today. The word integrity simply means completeness. Here's, what it, here's how it comes out practically. You are the same father, the same role model on Sunday morning when you have your shiny shoes on as you are Monday night after you've had a grueling day and the kids are kind of grumpy. You're the same dad. You're the same dad on the mission trip that you will be on vacation or when you have a project at home. In other words, you have a consistent, credible life. That's what God wants. I could end the sermon right here. Men, have integrity. Have credibility. Be someone that your sons and your daughters can look up to. His children are blessed after him. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say if you give the best speeches and have the same devotions. By the way, I believe you should have devotions with your children, dads. That was one of my main things. If I couldn't do it, my wife would, would uh, you know, spell me out on that. There were a few times that happened. But I was the one in charge of devotions. That was a good time of getting to know your children. I'm not against that. I'm all for that. We learned verses and we learned ministry and, and you, we name, you name it all. Uh, Missy was able at nine years old, we don't do this anymore, but when I started here, she was nine years old and she was actually teaching junior church. You know what she did? She took the same Bible story book we used at home. She did the same songs we sang at home, the same Bible verses that we did at home, and the same prayer requests. And you know what? She was able to teach junior church at nine years old because she simply did what she saw dad and mom doing at home. And they were, and we didn't just do it for them. They actually had to do those things. In other words, we show them. You know the old saying, more is caught than taught. I used to think that was just a saying. Not true. The older I get, the more I realize that that's absolutely true. So what do you want to find, what do you want to see in this whole thing? In this life that is bumper cars. And I have a whole long sermon. You're not going to get the sermon. You're going to get a very shortened version of it. Because I realized now I had way more than I needed and way more than I was going to have time for. So you're going to get a shortened version. So you get one slide. That's all you get uh, for this morning. I'm serious. That's what you get. Wear your seatbelt. You know what? 
when you have a seatbelt on, you're committed. Think about that. I grew up no seatbelts. Can I, can I confess something? When I was 18 years old, I actually had a Dodge Dart and I put a seatbelt in my Dodge Dart. I went to a junkyard and bought a seatbelt. Anybody want to guess why? Because I'm an idiot. I would drive these back roads that you would fly and you would slide across the bench seat. So that held me in the seat. Literally, that's why I put a seatbelt in the car. Not because it was a safety issue. It just held me where I was supposed to be. Some of you have seen me drive and, well, I don't drive that way anymore. Oh, come on. Cut me a break. Cut me a break. Okay. Anyway. You didn't see me drive back then if you think that. Okay. But anyway, the whole point is this. When you put a seatbelt on, you're committed. Here's what I want to tell you. And I'm going to just quote from uh, Matthew chapter 19, 19, which quotes from the Old Testament. It says, man shall leave his father and mother, shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You know what? Now, I realize that divorce happens and families get broken up and we live in a sin-cursed world and it's a mess. But here's the point is if you start out saying, you know what, I'm not putting the seatbelt on, you're not committed. I'm saying, dads, be committed. You know, it may be less than ideal circumstances, but here's what I'm going to encourage you today, is be committed to be there and to be an example. If you're not, you're going the wrong direction. I realize bad things happen that you have no control over, but you need to have that commitment, and your children need to see that commitment. Nobody ever said that bumper cars don't bump each other because there are those bumps. And it goes on to say that, uh, you know what, don't have a hard heart. That's what it says in, in Matthew chapter 19. He says, you know, the people said, well, Moses permitted these things. He said, because of your hardness of heart. Guys, don't have a hard heart. Be there. Be strong. Take a stand. Be committed. You know what? The next generation needs to see a dad that has done everything he can do. Now, there are things beyond your control. I understand that. that, And that's not even my point this morning. But regardless, you're in it for the long haul. You're doing what you can do. In fact, this in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 17. uh, I'm sorry. Proverbs chapter 20, verses 6 and 7 says this. Many a man proclaims his own loyalty. Don't you like those guys that toot their own horn? Okay. But who can find a trustworthy man? A righteous man who walks in his integrity. Same word as we saw a few moments ago. How blessed are his sons after him. Wow. Credibility. Integrity. Commitment to that. Put on your seatbelt. Second thing, go one direction. Now, I will tell you, and my wife and I are no different, and my children are no different than I was, because if you're born male, you were born with uh, glasses that are tinted blue, and you have a hearing aid that's blue. And if you're born female, you have a hearing aid that is tinted pink and glasses that are tinted pink. I'm telling you, I'll put my hand up. My wife was here. She'd say exactly the same thing. We're married 44 years. And we can see or hear exactly the same thing. And believe me, you'd almost think we saw something completely different. Right? But 
God says you, the two become one flesh. That's one flesh in mind and in spirit and, and uh, in heart and in body. In other words, regardless of the individual differences, and God said He made them in the beginning, male and female. Uh, if you want to talk about that subject, be at the uh, Good News Service. Peter is talking about this whole sexuality thing, you know, because people are saying I can decide wh- whoever I want to be, no matter what I was born. Just not true. Not from the very beginning. But the truth of the matter is, we are very different. Is that an, can I get an amen on that one? Yeah, we are different. Praise the Lord, we're different. My wife, <laughs> Kyle gets an A for today. Put, put him down there for an A on your, your list. But you know what? We're different. But here's what I want you to know. My wife and I are this different. You've probably heard me say this before. But I'm function and she's form. I'm going, does it work and does it work right? It's all that really matters to me. I don't really care too much how it looks. I don't like sloppy stuff. On the other hand, it's better look good. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. That if we're heading one direction, and this is how it works in my house, if her and I are working together, it works. That's my responsibility. And it looks good. That's her responsibility. And believe me, if it doesn't look good and she doesn't think it looks good, she will tell you. <laughs> I know, because I heard her telling somebody this morning it didn't look good. But anyway, you know what? But when you work together, it works out. Our children need to see that mom and dad, and dad, you're the bottom line. The buck stops with you. They need to see that you made effort, every effort to work together. You don't have to teach children. I thought my dad was the dumbest man who ever lived. Seriously, I did. From I can remember thinking at 12 years old, my dad was the dumbest guy who ever lived. Not true at all. It took me to my early 20s. I was a youth leader when I, like, you know what? My parents weren't so backward after all. They kind of did know what they were doing. They didn't do everything perfect. But you know what? I realized what a privilege I had had of having my parents. And indeed, they worked together. They both worked on the farm. They did just, I mean, they each had their own separate jobs at times, but they worked together. And not only running a farm, but raising seven of us. You know what? They worked together. And I look back on that. And that's a positive thing. Perfect? Nope. But working together, going the same direction. The Bible is clear that as, as, as husbands, as fathers, we need to go that direction, even though there are differences. It says in Psalm 103, verse 13, Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. You go, why are you quoting that? Simply this. Because as different as a man and a woman are, and a husband and a wife are, our children are so different than us. If you say no, they take it as you're putting them down. If you give them instruction, they're like, hey, I want to do it my own way. Unless you're different than I was, I wanted to do it my own way. 
I was probably at least as stubborn as my dad, maybe more so. Uh, I, I recognize that today. I didn't recognize that back then. He was just the one wrong. Now I realize, you know what? I was the one that had to learn. But you know what? Our children do not come into this world going, I, I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to look up to my dad and my dad is the most wonderful person. They start that way sometimes, but it doesn't stay that way when they get to about 12, sometimes 10, you know, whatever. You know, and all of a sudden, it's the buck the system. There's, there's differences. Notice what it says that God does for us. As God is the one who, um, as we're supposed to show compassion to our children, God has compassion on us. He knows who we are. Dads, you need to realize you're dealing with an unfinished product. They're a child. My children are smarter than I am. I've known that for a long time. But there's one thing I have that they don't have. I've been there, done that, and I've done a lot of it wrong. And I don't want them to have to go through it. You see, when I give instruction or when I gave instruction, I'm done with that. Praise the Lord, I'm done with that. Uh, But you know what? I didn't do that because I didn't like my children. I did it because I didn't want them to have to pay the price that I paid for some things. I didn't want them to have to do it three times wrong until they finally hit their head enough times they realized, duh, that's the wrong way to do it. I wanted them to have something of an advantage that I didn't have. And so as fathers, we need to look and realize that our children do not have experience. That's what you have. You don't have to be all that smart, but you have experience. That's wisdom. You have that, they don't. Hopefully, by the time you became a father, you have matured. They're immature. You need to realize that. And you need to meet them exactly where they are. That's not easy. Can you imagine? If I was God, I would have zapped all of us. I would have started with me and zapped all of you and said, you know what? They'll never grow up. You know, there's no hope. But he doesn't do that. It says he has compassion. That word means mercy. Having pity on us. Realizing who we are. I call unfinished product. I hope that doesn't offend anyone. But that's the truth. I'm still not a finished product. Because God still has compassion on me. And I need to have that same kind of compassion toward my children. That's what we need to do as dads. We need to look that way. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Joshua didn't take a poll of his family. You know what he said? He said to the nation, he says, you know what? You have a choice to make. You can serve the gods of the nations around us. Nobody's going to stop you. Or you can choose to serve the Lord. The God who brought us through the Red Sea. The God who's going to take us into the promised land and, you know, give us... Everything he promised us. Then he says this. And guys, keep this in mind. I don't care if you're just a dad and you're still raising your children. Or your children are raised. Or your grandfather or great-grandfather. As for me, quote it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Notice what he said. 
He was speaking as the head of his family. Now, does that mean individuals wouldn't rebel and do their own thing and all those things? The answer is, of course it does not. But what he was doing is taking the leadership that God had given him, the position that God had given him, and was using it in a very positive way. He says, for as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm going to take the lead on this, and I'm going forward. I believe he did it in all the other ways that Proverbs has said. For example, it says... In, and this is for the children now, and for the dads. It says in Proverbs 3.11, My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord, or loathe his reproof. In other words, are we responsive to what God is showing us, what he's leading us? If he disciplines us, do we just simply rebel against it, or do we get it and change our lives and repent and all that? For whom the Lord loves, he reproves. Okay? Isn't that what God does? Oh, he'll let you go your own way. But there is a cost. All choices have a real consequence that goes with them. They do. And it says, For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects his son in whom he delights. Guys, dads, do you delight in your children? If you do, you have a huge responsibility to discipline them. Why? How do I know that? Is this some horrible thing? Be abusive? Absolutely not. It's, that's the exact same kind of love, the same care that God has for us. We can make choices, but he calls us to account and brings discipline into our lives. He reproves us. So say, Paul, you're wrong. Get your act together. Change. This is not what I've shown you. This is not what I've given you in the Word. You need to change your life. One last uh, verse from Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, it says, He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. We have been fed, and I talk about this on Mother's Day, but we as dads have been fed some kind of a line that says, if you discipline your children, if you're a strict dad, uh, if you have standards, you're some kind of a bully. Absolutely hogwash. It's just not real. Because guess what? You have a responsibility to do the other. No child rebels because you have standards. They rebel because you're inconsistent. You see, they don't know who you are. If you have standards and you're strict, nobody ever accused me of being a lenient dad. And I don't think I was. Nobody ever accused my dad of being a lenient dad either. But you know what? I respect my dad. And if he would have just let us do whatever we wanted, the respect that I would have for him would be a whole lot less. But he did. He said, no, this is the way it is. (laughs) You want to be part of this family? You need to work. You name whatever else it was in there. It required us to meet a standard. And notice, if we don't have that whole concept of discipline, it says that we hate our son, our daughter. That's, we're told the opposite of that. You know what? You don't want to ruin their self-esteem. 
No, you ruin their self-esteem because they don't know what the, where the fences are, where the barriers are, and what the consequences are. And then you let them find out the hard way, uh, the school of hard knocks. No, our job is to be there and be with them. Being a good example, having devotions, doing things with them and all those things, absolutely. You probably heard me say this before. My standard for me was if I don't play with my kids, I have no right to discipline them. And I played with my kids a lot. (laughs) All kinds of things. Did a lot of things with them. But I also they also knew that when dad said something, that's that's what he meant. But but there was a respect there and it, it it works. And I'm just encouraging you that those are the things. Last thing, and I'm going to close with this because I'm already over time. But bumper cars have no winner. It's the experience that counts. When you're done, you look back. You're not going to do this when you're 10 years old or even 15 or maybe 16. But when you get to the point when you're married and you're starting to have your own children, all of a sudden you look back. And this is funny. It happens at our house. We look back and we laugh about the dumbest things. Some of them weren't good things back then. I mean, they were really tense kinds of things. But we can look back and laugh at them. Because, why? Because there was a standard. And it's the experience. You went through it, your children are going to go through it, and their children. I want to just encourage you, don't allow a generation to be skipped in where you as dad didn't stand up and say, you know what? I don't care what the rest of the kids do. I don't care what their parents say. In our house, this is the way it is. You don't answer to them, you answer to us, and I answer to God. My kids ask me, Dad, you, you punish us when we're bad. Well, what happens when you're bad? And I said, you have no clue as to how God brings discipline. Now, they were younger when they did that. You know what? Because I realized that it, no matter how that form came, we had to answer. And I always just told them, I have to answer to God for you. And I'm going, to, I'm going to do what I need to do. Dads, it's a privilege. Walking before your children in your integrity, how blessed are your sons, your children, your daughters who walk after you. What kind of legacy do you live, leave? Is it bumper cars at times? Absolutely. No doubt about it. On the other hand, the experience is what they need and what you need to give them. One of integrity and credibility and walking before them and really loving them by holding them to account for their lives. Let's all stand together as we close. Father, thank you for the privilege we have of working on your behalf. Lord, you could have just created everybody from scratch, but you chose to give parents. And today we're looking at fathers. Thank you for giving us the privilege of that experience. And I pray that in every way, that as fathers, that we would have that integrity, that our children would look up to us, could look up to us, and as a result, they would be blessed. Lord, I pray that we would take that to heart. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Go with God and uh, be the Father God.